Hi, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of A Trophy Life. I'm your host, Bob Rathbun, and the greatest time of the year is here. Conference tournaments this week, Selection Sunday, and then we're off and running on another NCAA tournament adventure. This week on the podcast, we'll be checking in with Holly Rowe of ESPN. She'll bring us up to date on what she's doing this week. And, of course, the up-and-coming NCAA Women's Tournament. Get her take on her Player of the Year thoughts and teams to look for in the tournament. We'll also be running down all the conference stuff that's coming up this week with the major conferences playing. One major is not, and that, of course, is the Ivy League. We'll get more into that in just a moment. But first, the news and notes of the week. A Trophy Life is brought to you by Citizen Watch, proud sponsor of the Citizen Naismith Player of the Year Awards. Citizen EcoDrive watches are powered by light and never need a battery. Visit us at citizenwatch.com. Citizen, better starts now. We begin this week's news and notes, and I want you to keep your eye on the Oregon Ducks this weekend as they attempt to complete an unprecedented conference sweep. Now, no school in the Pac-12 has won the football championship the men's and women's basketball tournaments in the same academic year. But the Ducks have a chance. They beat Utah in the Pac-12 football championship game, and the women just destroyed Stanford to win the basketball tournament, and the men are the number one seed in the Pac-12 tournament. So if Peyton Pritchard and company hoist that trophy on Saturday night in Las Vegas, the school will have gone where no other Pac-12 school has gone. So a big weekend ahead for the Oregon Ducks. Wisconsin begins play in the Big Ten tournament as the number one seed. A remarkable story uh, with Wisconsin and head coach Greg Gard. He was named the Big Ten Coach of the Year by the league coaches and the media that covered the uh, Big Ten. Remarkable season. Uh, What a comeback story. Uh, A lot of personal tragedy as Gard has guided through a team that lost three seniors off the ball club, but that was not the, the real story going into the season. It really goes back to Memorial Day weekend, a horrific automobile accident that involved assistant coach Howard Moore and his family. Moore in that lost his wife. His daughter was injured severely, and of course, coach has been gone from the team. And yet Wisconsin has rallied through this. Their leading scorer left the ball club, and they have rebounded to finish so strongly and come on out of nowhere to win the Big Ten when they were picked to finish outside the top five. A remarkable job turned in by Greg Garden. We send along our congratulations. Make sure you check out the 2020 Jersey Mike's Naismith National High School All-America Girls and Boys Teams. They were announced this week, and you can read all about it at NaismithTrophy.com. The conference tournaments for the big boys, of course, this weekend, and it's going to be uh, all hands on deck. A lot of clubs fighting for their tournament lives in the ACC, SEC, Big Ten, Big 12, etc. One of the big stories, of course, is going to be in Kansas City. We'll talk with Holly Rue about that in just a moment. But what about Baylor? It looked like they were rolling along to a number one seed, but the Bears lost three of their last five. They needed overtime to beat Texas Tech in Waco. And if they lose in Kansas City this week, it could mean a slippage to that two-line come Sunday night. Now, Kansas, of course, has established itself as the number one overall seed, but that doesn't mean they're going to win it all. But we'll see. They haven't lost a game since January the 11th, and they look to be distancing themselves as a cleared number one overall. But it's a great weekend ahead. Selection Sunday, and then next week we'll be chatting with Mike DeCourcy, and we'll get a tournament preview for the men 
in next week's podcast. But this week, we want to catch up with ESPN's Holly Rowan. We'll do that in just a moment. Our Did You Know This Week, nine women have won the Citizen Naismith Trophy multiple times. Cheryl Miller at USC and Brianna Stewart at UConn are the only three-time winners, while seven others have won it twice, and that list includes Clarissa Davis at Texas, Dawn Staley at Virginia, Shamiqua Holesclaw of Tennessee, Diana Taurasi at UConn, Simone Augustus at LSU, Maya Moore at UConn, and Brittany Griner at Baylor. The NCAA Women's Tournament will be getting underway next week, of course, and one of the mainstays in ESPN's coverage of that great event is Holly Rowe. She's been a sideline reporter for over 20 years with the Worldwide Leaders, and we have a chance to catch up with Holly. She'll be covering the Big 12 this week, then the women's tournament, all ending, of course, in the Final Four in New Orleans. My chat this week with ESPN's Holly Rowe. Great to have Holly Rowe joining us from Kansas City. Holly, thank you for taking time to join us. How are you? Um, I'm living large because it's March Madness, one of my favorite times of the year. So it's very exciting, and I'm happy to be with you. And uh, what a week you have. Uh, Selection Sunday coming up, and the men and the women for the Big 12 this week. Uh, What are some of the big storylines you're working on with this tournament uh, for both sides? Well, it's been just a really fun week. First, I'll tell you where I just was because I think you'll find it interesting. I just did Duke, North Carolina. And that was very exciting, as it always is. And then I flew out, did the Pac-12 championship game for the women, and saw Sabrina Ionescu in person again, which is always scintillating basketball. And now I'm here at Kansas City for the Big 12 men's and women's. And I think really the storyline is is how good is Kansas? Is this a team that is national championship worthy? And is Baylor a team that can still get a number one, you know, top four seed in this NCAA tournament? They've lost a couple lately. And are they healthy? Can they be one of the top four or five teams in the country? So I think those are our big storylines. And, and then the, the depth of the rest of the league, I think Texas is really anybody's tournament outside of Kansas and Baylor. The Baylor women stumbled, surprisingly so, last weekend. Anything to make of that? Yeah, that actually really surprised me because, number one, it was a very low-scoring game, which is not typical for Baylor and, uh, you know, Iowa State, give them a lot of credit. Coach Fennelly there has been doing a great job there for a long time. And, um, you know, it's hard to stay – this is going to sound bad, but I think it's hard for Baylor to stay locked in when they are winning by these huge margins each and every night. I mean, I think it's hard to get your kids up and competing when you've beaten teams by such large margins. So good for them, good for Iowa State, but I have a feeling that Baylor will regroup and be in fine form here for the women's tournament. Holly, you mentioned Sabrina and Oregon. Um, Let me ask you about this. This is one of the great college basketball stories, men or women, that's been written in quite some time. Uh, What a remarkable young woman. Uh, We've talked on this podcast about what she uh, went through with Kobe's passing and and speaking at the uh, memorial service for him and playing that night and setting the 2000-1000-1000 mark. What an amazing young woman she is. Yeah, it's been, I think, one of the greatest stories we've had in many years in college basketball, men and women, because of what she's able to do on the court, first and foremost. And then part of it is her immigrant story, you know, first-generation American who was hustling men in the park. Her and her brother would go hustle guys on the, on the basketball courts in the park so they could earn money for slurpees. And just that hungry mentality that she brings to the game. And then she has continued to elevate her game. She made some passes in this game against Stanford, 
and made a really, really good Stanford team look bad in that championship game. And I just love, one, her hunger, two, her desire to get better, and three, you know, she's had a ton of attention and a huge spotlight placed on her, but she's constantly working to make sure that it's about her team and her teammates still included. And she's celebrating these other great players on their team because they have probably um, three of the top five picks in WNBA draft all on this team, and Ruthie Hebert, Sabrina Ionescu, and Satu Sabali. And Sabrina, this is what she came back for, to make this one last run for a national championship. Uh, but after watching South Carolina this season, you wonder if there's anybody that can derail South Carolina. Uh, you have to think that Oregon and Baylor certainly have an opportunity. And of course, we're fast-forwarding to a Final Four. They've got to win to get there, of course. But uh, the way they run roughshod over the competition, it really is set up that way. Yeah, I really think that Baylor, South Carolina, and Oregon are all great teams that are very different from each other. And so those matchups are going to be epic. South Carolina might be the most athletic mentally tough team you know this is a team that's made up of a lot of young players a lot of freshmen who are contributing heavy minutes and they are unbothered these freshmen just they have no idea how how to be nervous it's so fun to watch Don Staley's group they're mentally tough they're ready for the moment and I think any one of those three teams can win it and throw in Maryland right now who's the other team in the country that I think is playing the best basketball Um, and I think we're going to have one of our most intriguing marches we've ever had on the women's side. And you haven't mentioned the name UConn. Strange, right? Like, it just it doesn't even seem right. But, you know, the way the bracket is kind of looking right now, there is an excellent chance that UConn would be put into um, Oregon's region out in Portland as a two-seed. And can you imagine, you know, Sabrina stays to get her unfinished business, get a national championship, and to do it, all she has to do is get through UConn. Now, Oregon really handled and blew out UConn on their home court earlier this season, but everybody knows March can be different, and Gino Oriam, if I know anything about him as a coach, it is his team has improved, and they will be a better challenge for Oregon if they face another time. Holly, hanging over all of us uh, in sports, no matter whether it's at the professional level, college, what have you, is this coronavirus. And just so our our listeners know, we're recording this a little after 3 o'clock on Tuesday afternoon Eastern time. You're in Kansas City. Uh, this is a story that is uh, very fluid. It's changing by the hour. We learned this morning that the Ivy League canceled its men's and women's tournaments uh, that are due to start at Harvard on on Friday. Uh, what's the latest? Uh, you guys are certainly in touch with the NCAA and on the cutting edge with ESPN. What's the latest that you're hearing? Well, I think there is great concern right now, and I'll give you an example of why. So, for example, Stanford, uh, we were just covering them in Las Vegas, the Pac-12 championship. Stanford is one of, I would say, maybe over 10 universities nationwide right now with Ohio State, the Ivy League, as you mentioned, Harvard, that are are not holding classes on campus any longer. Students are encouraged to stay home, and they are doing all of their classes online. And the, the facilities, the athletic facilities at Stanford, for example, they are only allowed to be used and filled up to one-third of the capacity, meaning they don't want to pack a lot of people in. And, but that was, you know, that's over the weekend. And this situation is changing so rapidly, as you mentioned, that, I mean, I'm not even sure if we're going to have tournaments this weekend. You know, it, it really is still that up in the air as, 
officials continue to react quickly to this situation. But I know that people are flying in. The hotels are packed. The city is starting to really get packed today here in Kansas City. So I think a lot of us are kind of holding our breath saying, are, are we going to have games? Will they be without fans? Will they limit fans? Like, there is still a lot to be decided this weekend, championship week. It almost seems um, surreal that we're having this conversation with the national tournaments for the men and women to start, you know, a week away. I mean, we're talking about, you know, when the when the uh, first four go to Dayton, uh, the 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 regular tournaments get underway with teams traveling on Monday, Tuesday. I mean, we're just days away from starting this thing, and to think that. Uh, we might not have fans at these venues uh, is kind of hard to wrap our brains around. Do you feel that way? It is. I, you know, I have a one side of me is like, well, surely this is this is too dramatic of a reaction. Surely we're overreacting. And then I continue to monitor the World Health Organization numbers every day and the cases going up and how quickly it's spreading. And I think that we would be better suited to overreact and contain this than to not react quickly enough and have it get even worse. So, I, I mean, it is surreal. I think you picked the exact word because we really can't believe that this is happening and impacting our daily lives in such a dramatic way. But I, I just ran to the mall and um, tried to pick up some things I had forgotten from home, and it's a it's a ghost town. I was really shocked. I was like, I think people are staying in and trying to stay out of the public as much as they can right now, and I think it's smart. It is, as you mentioned, it is something that's changing by the hour, and we'll be watching with great interest, of course, your work this week and all the conference tournaments that are going on, and hopefully that we can pull all this off here in the next three weeks. I just think, you know, for these for these kids, you know, you work your whole year for this. Your seniors, this is the last hurrah, no matter where you are, and if you're lucky to be in this field. And to have this on top is, is just, uh, I mean, I've never experienced anything like this. Yeah, it's really upsetting. And the thing that's weird, too, is so basketball is one of the sports where every single person on the court, their hands are touching the ball. You know, you are passing germs. There's just no way around it. There's tons of, you know, Purell machines and hand-washing things all over the courts, right around the courts where players are coming out and people are touching the ball. But this is a very communicable sport, you know, for lack of a better term. And um, the, the thing that we really have our arms around, I spoke with a couple of athletic trainers, is there aren't really tests available. So, like, if a kid on your basketball team gets sick, how quickly can you test and rule out that they are that they have this and need to be quarantined? So it, it's a quick-moving situation, and I think we're going to hear a lot more about it moving, moving forward. And as a reporter uh, working the sidelines um, over this these next few weeks in the tournament, uh, how much of your concentration has, has gone to the medical side of this rather than or in addition to the basketball side? You know, I, I haven't done much. I, I would say we did a big coronavirus update in our Pac-12 championship game telecast on Sunday. And I think, you know, like you said, it's TBD. We'll see moving forward if there's news. You know, where there is news, we'll react. And I'm definitely going to check in with all of the athletic trainers for these teams coming up for the Big 12. Um, of what what is happening on your campus and what are your administrators asking you to do because every university's reaction and response is different and their rules and you know liability everybody reacts a little differently so i I definitely think it's going to be part of my reporting even more but but then also if if we don't cancel and there aren't problems and 
you know, we've got to celebrate these great stories in basketball and keep our attention on these kids who've worked so hard, as you said. And Holly, one final thing. Of course, we're in the awards business here. Uh, the Citizen Naismith Player of the Year will be handed out here in a few short weeks. Uh, favorites for you, for the men and the women? Well, I have I have been on a personal mission. I actually begged my boss to let me go and cover a Dayton game recently, even though I had to pull a back-to-back game Friday night, game Saturday night to do it, because I wanted to see Obi Toppin of the Dayton Flyers in person. And I do believe that he is the favorite right now. Another candidate I would shout out is Trey Jones from Duke. He is terrific here and the ACC Defensive Player of the Year. Like, I've never, I don't know if I've ever seen someone that was so committed to both sides of the ball than Trey Jones of Duke. Obviously, Devon Dotson of Kansas and Yudoka Azuki, I think, are two more candidates that would be top of mind for me. So those are those are my top four, I would tell you. And then for the women, gosh, there there's just so many. I don't even know how to narrow it down. I think Lauren Cox of Baylor, the Big 12 Player of the Year, is obviously one of the, the top candidates. Um, it's almost like South Carolina has too many people. They are there, there's so much talent on that team. I don't know how you pick one, but Kiki Herbert Harrigan has been terrific for them. I know she was the most outstanding player of their tournament recently. Um, so she's someone I would keep an eye on. And then, of course, Sabrina Ionescu. I, I'm really only giving other people's names because I think 100% Sabrina will win it. But there are other deserving kids, but she's had an exceptional season. It has been historic. Well, Holly, we won't keep any longer. Thanks you for taking out this uh, chunk of time for us, and thanks for everything you do for Naismith and, and being such a good friend uh, to us. And we'll be watching. Uh, best of luck and safe travels. I can't wait to cast my votes this week for finalists and support the Naismith uh, trophies. We, we just love supporting you guys. Thank you. Thank you, Holly. Great catching up, and good luck and safe travels. Citizen, the title sponsor of the Citizen Naismith Trophy for College Player of the Year, is sending one lucky winner and a guest to the NCAA Championship Weekend, April 2020, with tickets to the semifinal and championship games, a Citizen Naismith watch, and invitations to hospitality events. Try your luck today and enter to win the Citizen Slam Dunk Sweepstakes. Now, you can click on a link that will take you right there. It's in our show notes, and the winner will be chosen once sweepstakes concludes on March the 22nd, 2020. Limit one entry per person must be a U.S. resident. That will do it for this week's show. As we mentioned, Selection Sunday is coming up, and then Mike DeCourcy of the Sporting News will join us next week, and we'll break down the men's tournament for you. Now, if you haven't already... We would really appreciate it if you would leave us a rating and review. Your support makes a trophy life possible, allows us to get the word out. We want more and more people to know we're around, so rating and reviewing is crucial, and the feedback only goes to help us improve the show. So thank you for that. Enjoy the tournaments, everybody, and we will see you next week on A Trophy Life. From Atlanta, Bob Rathbun, so long.